Hello and welcome to A Very Full Plate, the podcast where we're all about real food talk with real parents. Your hosts for today are Amy, a natural foods chef and mom of two, and Emily, a professional home organizer and mom of three. Take it away, ladies. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm your co-host, Amy. I turn parents into kitchen ninjas to help them feed their families healthy food more often. I'm all about balance, real life, and having fun in the kitchen. You can find me at cookingwithafullplate.com and my Facebook page of the same name. Hey, guys. This is Emily. I'm a professional organizer who helps my clients simplify their lives so that they can experience harmony in their homes again. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or visit hallharmonyhomes.com. Come along with us while we celebrate our small victories and laugh at our challenges. And thank you so much for listening. Hello, friend. I am so excited to be here today. This is Amy, by the way. My voice is like totally out of whack. I'm just glad it's back at all because this weekend it was gone, gone, gone. And I think it's going around. So I hope you don't have it too. But I'm here in spite of that because I'm so excited to be speaking with Charlena Smith from Optio. She is here kind of on the back of my conversation with Jacqueline Malone around setting effective and meaningful goals. We're going to be diving into like, okay, you've set effective and meaningful goals. How do you actually make them happen? And I'm really excited about this conversation because I think it is so much of where the rubber meets the road, especially for us busy parents who are thinking, I can't add possibly one more thing to my plate. So Charlena, (laughs) thank you for being here to help us crack the code on keeping the goals that we set so effectively last week here today. Absolutely, Amy. Thank you for having me. And it's so funny, like we both are going to be on here. I, um, with these crazy voices, I, my voice was completely gone last night. Um, I, all I've been drinking is hot water and tea, you, you know, lemons and honey, and just trying to get onto this space so that I could have this conversation with you because I think it's so valuable. Um, but I definitely, it's so funny. I sound exactly like my pop-pop who was, he passed away when he was like 97 years old. He was from Sicily. He smoked a pipe. Like, and now I'm like, all I hear echoing in my head is my pop-pop over and over and over again. Like it's that is slightly comforting and disturbing at the same time. So funny. Well, maybe related to that, my husband told me that he read that tea with honey and lemon and like a little bit of whiskey in it is like the best thing you can have when you have a cold because it like helps to disinfect things. And yeah. I didn't do any more research besides saying like, okay, that sounds good. And then drinking <laughs> and it was very tasty, surprisingly tasty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell us, um, speaking of kids, mm-hmm. that's relevant to our audience here today. Tell us a little bit about your life before we dive into all of this goal keeping nonsense. So where do you live? How many kids do you have? Yeah. So I live in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, we kind of love it here. It's, uh, they call it like the small USA. We have mountains, ocean, all the seasons, um, all that stuff. My husband works in DC for NASA. So we're close enough that he can take the train into DC and we don't have to always be surrounded by senators. <laughs> it's it kind of boring. Um, so yeah, that's where I live. I have two boys. They are currently six and eight. Um, they are much like if I was to think of a word for them, it would just be much. They are so much joy and love and light and energy. And, um, 
exhausting, but in the best possible ways. So yeah, Um, we are a multi-generational living family, which is actually really uncommon here in the U.S. So they are the seventh generation on our property. Um, we joke that like other people build houses, like, or like go and buy houses and we just keep on adding to the house that we have. We're like, just throw another room on. It'll be fine. So we live with my parents who lived with my grandparents who lived with my grandparents and, and we bought the house from them and redid it. So we just okay. all kind of take care of each other. Cool. That yeah. is really rare. And I'm fascinated by it. I always thought like I would never want to do that, you know, kind of outside looking in. But now having kids, I can also see so much value in just oh having gosh. a second set of hands or like you just pass that baby monitor over and like take a break. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. And we also, between all of this, we, we call it, we joke and call it the compound because we've raised, you know, we, we grow our own vegetables. We have our own greenhouses. We have, um, you know, a, a small chicken farm that we're actually my son has uh, decided to turn vegetarian on us. So uh, I don't think we'll, be, I think we'll only be eating eggs now. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so, but it's things like that. When I was growing up, we had, um, you know, cows and things like that, that we just kind of lived off our land and it was pretty awesome. And now I don't love farming as much as like mm. my grandparents did, but I do still love the smaller micro farming. I don't like the big farming. Yeah. Uh, but it's so great. Like with my kids, they go out and they pick their own food to eat off the vine and they just eat it. They know where it came from and they know where it was grown. And we love that. And we're still close enough to a city that we still feel like we get the cultural elements of the city and we still have the land to have that kind of tiny micro farm feel. Yeah, that's a very cool setup. I like that a lot. I've been thinking a lot about growing food, but I have a really black thumb. So it is, you know, kind of a future for me, which is actually the perfect segue into our conversation today around we've set these awesome goals. If folks haven't listened to my conversation with Jacqueline Malone, that was at a veryfullplate.com slash 38. And Charlena was nice enough to listen ahead of time so that we won't be repeating the things we said there. It was so good, you guys. You must listen to it. Even if you're listening right now, like just go back and listen. It is so good. (laughs) Thank you. Jacqueline had a lot of such wonderful tidbits to share around just mindset and visualization and getting to the heart of what your goals actually are. And I felt super inspired by that, but I know that inspiration can only take us so far. So I'm really looking forward to diving into like, all right, we're inspired. We're ready to take action. How do we like kind of future-proof ourselves into taking the action that we intended to take at the beginning of the year, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I know that those of us who are gym goers, you know, some people work at home, out at home and those kinds of things have had the experience of like the gym gets so crowded for like two weeks and then Nothing. it goes back to normal. And yeah. it's like, that is all of us in some way, shape or form when we go to set a goal, right? So Charlena, let's start off by just talking a little bit about like, why are we so bad at keeping goals? <laughs> So it's a really good question. And especially this time of year, going into New Year's, it's when you look at the statistics, it's, it's crazy. And this is very generous on the completion side, that 87% of people that make a resolution do not keep it by the second week. 
They wow. can't even keep it for two weeks. It's And it's really higher than that, but it's like, that's being generous. Um, and then it's somewhere around the around 96 or 97% at two months. Um, so it's, it's staggering. And I, that's one of the reasons we got so into Optio and so into this idea is because we know some really capable and amazing people that are not doing what they're capable of. And we were like, why does that keep happening? Like, why, why does this happen? And, um, I kind of have lived two lives, um, actually probably like 40 lives. Uh, my family calls me like a cat times 10. Um, but I was, uh, before I had kids, I was super duper duper type A and, um, there was not a goal I did not meet. So Mm. my problem was actually at that time, not setting goals that were big enough. So I would only set a goal if I could meet it. Now, they were big goals. I was ahead of my peer group. I was the first one. I bought my house at 23. I bought my dream car at like 21 um, and paid cash for all of it. I was the CEO of a marketing company. I became a tenured professor at the youngest tenured professor on the East Coast. Like all of these really big dreams. And I would always hit them, but at what cost? Mm. So -hmm. that's what I discovered is that I was... um, the, the concept of having it all was eluding me. Like I couldn't balance all of these things with family and, oh, by the way, I do want kids. Oh, there's a timeline on that. Oh, you know, like all of these yeah. things kind of coming full circle. So it was- You kind um, of bring to mind for me, I I just want to stop you because it's like, this is something that keeps echoing my in my head, which is this idea of you can have anything, but you can't have everything. Exactly. And I think that's such an important thing for those of us going into the new year and for folks who sound a lot like yourself, which is sometimes we shouldn't actually reach our goals, right? And I I want to come back to that later around this idea of like, not every goal is worth reaching and this idea of also at what cost. Right. so I'm I'm fascinated by this. So you were super type A, you were doing yeah. all of these things, you realize uh, so I actually yeah. want to do other things. I want to do other things. So what I did was I started doing those other things too. I didn't say no to anything. Mm. Um, and I just kept on going. I started pursuing a third PhD because why not? Your school is paying for it. And I have two babies at home and I had a ridiculously horrible pregnancy. Um, I had hyperemesis and it um, is basically like morning sickness times a million. And it was, it was awful. Um, I was, I lived on TPN, which is just total perinatal m- nutrition. Which I, so I didn't eat anything for almost two years. Oh um, I was Wait, with, with both pregnancies. Uh, yes. With you both had that once and you did it again. They told me, okay, so thank you for asking because everyone thinks I'm insane. They told me the chance of it happening again was like 0.02%. This is where you really have to do your own research and learn to advocate for yourself because I've learned that medical professionals sometimes don't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> At the time I was just trusting them, you know? Well, and that might've been true too, right? Maybe you were just really unlucky. I don't think so. Now that we've done our research, we know Mm. like if it happens, it's going to happen again. Interesting. Um, That's what Princess Kate had, right? Yes. So you have that, you're getting a third PhD. Yeah. Working. I was still working full-time as the COO of uh, the largest marketing company on the East Coast. And I was a tenured professor. So, and it was still really important to me 
Um, I grew up with not healthy eating uh, habits and patterns, and it was really important to me that my kids learn that we eat fresh fruits and vegetables on a table together as a family, um, no frozen dinners and, you know, prepackaged things. And I just had it in my head that it has to be this certain way. And um, yeah, doing all of it at the same time, having babies at home. And thank goodness, this is where that built-in community of having, you know, a commune, living on a commune and having a tribe, um, they, they're they very, very helpful. But I was doing too many things. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it. At one point, I went into the doctor's office. I threw up and I actually threw up bile, which is physically impossible for your digestive system to do. And he said, no, we're going to have an exploratory surgery tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. So, and this shows you how jacked up your life plan can get just for a second. Right before we're doing the exploratory surgery and I have to be intubated and I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And my last, I'm like, I need my phone. I need my phone. And you would think it would be to call my kids or my parents, my husband's standing next to me. So that was okay. But I'm calling clients to tell Mm -hmm. them that I'm not sure when I'll be able to get back to their email. Like that what? is jacked up. That what is a how wake up call. you can get. Yes. You would think that that would be it. So, um, anyway, I was intubated. It was a really long process. Almost died several times, had my intestines. Um, like I, I couldn't heal because I was so, I had been so sick for so long that, um, trying to sew me up was like trying to sew tissue paper. And I just kept on falling apart over and over again. So um, I was left open. Like I could look down. I was awake and intubated. I could look down and just be like, what's up intestines? Wait, so this is after you had a baby? This is after, yes. Okay. Okay. I was picturing you pregnant too. And I was like, what in the world is happening right now? Okay. Because up until that point, it was just the hyperemesis. And at some point, sorry, I did miss a step. At some point, the hyperemesis turned into, while I was really, really sick, a kink rose up in my intestines. So things were hit it. And literally it was like a brick wall. Um, But everybody thought I was crazy because because hyperemesis only lasts so long. And I was still six. I was still sick 11 months later. And, um, but I wasn't crazy. So that, you know, also advocate for yourself. So anyway, the reaching the goal thing, um, I still had all these goals and it was really, really hard even in that moment. Like we're talking... You just want to learn to walk again, to talk again, to be able to eat or drink fluids again. And I still had in my head, oh, my PhD program, I'm missing that class. And and like, it was just so messed up, like how things were. So what I realized is the whole, uh, are you familiar with Simon Sinek's why? Like the why? I'm peripherally familiar, but why don't you tell us a little bit about it? And I will link to it in the show notes. It is amazing. It will change your world. Um, When you, so it's not about how or what you do, it's why you're doing it. And he really drills down that if you truly know your why at the core, at the very, very core of every intention and every goal, then you can complete it. And it's not, you're going to complete it in a healthy way. So my goals were unhealthy. My goals were there just because I could. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yes. So it was like, oh, I can get another PhD, but should I? Like, right. Or should I spend time at home with my babies who are only going to be babies for the next, you know, two years? Like yeah. it's these, it, it was really difficult for me to put those in line. So coming out of that with my husband, we, we decided that once our values were clear, both of our values were clear, that all of our decisions would be easy. 
Mm -hmm. So we broke it down and we created our own family blueprint for what our family values were. And once we had those, the decisions that we made out of that blueprint were very easy. And that's when the goals start to become more aligned. And that's when the goals become almost, almost like you're not working towards them. It's like they're working, life is working for you, not against you, because everything you do becomes in line with that goal. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's so much goodness there. So I appreciate you sharing the why concept because it's something we started to scratch the surface of in the conversation with Jacqueline is around Mm -hmm. envisioning your ideal day and what that looks like. And I certainly have been in a place where I've set goals that I say, like I, I shared this last week, but it's certainly, I've done it in many different shapes and ways, but where it's like, I'll lose 10 pounds this year, right? Well, Mm -hmm. my major joys in life are like enjoying good wine, eating delicious food, having food experiences, and feeling really good in my body. And if I were to have dug a little bit deeper and said, why do I even want that thing? Mm -hmm. And does does it actually align with the picture of my life where I'm like living my best, most intentional, vivacious, enjoyable life? I would say like, I, I wouldn't even be able to maintain that weight doing all those things I love. And, and it would become pretty clear that I wasn't reaching those goals because I wasn't meant to actually reach them. And so right. I think that's such an important place to start is to say, is this the right goal? And if you want to know, go back to episode 38. And then it sounds like this Simon Sinek, why work? And then I would add another layer, which is I was just recently introduced to via a podcast, um, Gretchen Rubin's 410s. Yes, love her. And I can link to that in the show notes. It'll be at averyfullplate.com slash 39. But I think there's this other piece of what are our natural inclinations for how as well? Mm -hmm. And the four tendencies are all around, like there's four different types of people and the way that they get things done. And there's obliger and questioner and rebel and um, what's the last one? Oh, I'm trying to remember. It's funny. Gretchen actually worked with us on our um, our psychographic profile that is available to your listeners. They can take it for free. Um, but yeah, tell us where we can find this profile and tell me a little bit about what the profile is while I rack my brain for what the fourth. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, so you can find it at myoptio.org slash quick dash quiz. Okay. And it's, it's, I'll also, I also do the link, link, put the, <laughs> for it in yeah, 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 we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, we, it, we got it down to just two questions. So Gretchen's quiz is much, much longer and more in depth, and it's not quite the same because our goals are different. Gretchen is actually looking for, um, what makes you do things? Why do you do what you do? Is it because you are serving yourself? Is there like a need? Like, are you the type of Gretchen, for example, is the type of person that if she says, if she self-proclaims, I am going to build a building, then she's going to build a building. It doesn't matter if she knows anything about carpentry or electric. (laughs) She is going to build a building because she said she was going to. Unfortunately, I am not that person. (laughs) (laughs) I need a lot of like motivation and like encouragement. So that's when you get into like more of an obliger who does things because someone else, if someone else, if my kids expect me to pick them up at the bus, there is no way, come hell or high water, I will be at that bus stop. 
So it's like, ah, but if I was just supposed to be at the bus stop, because that's when the workout time started, I might not commit to myself quite as clearly. So it's just understanding your motivations and what makes you tick. So we so took were, a lot Sorry, of I just want to, you yeah. reminded me that Gretchen says that she's an upholder, which yes, is the fourth that's the fourth one. That's because up. nobody's an upholder. Remember, that's and that's remember. like, you know, you always keep your commitments to yourself yes. and others, sometimes at the expense of other things. Of yourself. It sounds like you're an obliger, which is like, you are keeping your commitments to other people, but not necessarily mm-hmm. yourself. I, and was kind of fascinated because I took her quiz and uh-huh. my husband also took it and we are both questioners, which I thought that was really was interesting, mm-hmm. which is like actually really consistent with our lives in that neither of us could like follow a eating program that yeah. we're doing, like that someone else's designs to save our lives, but we both have pretty strong visions of how we want to eat and what makes us feel good. And we stick to that like pretty well overall. Uh-huh. Once it's peppered in with like the food experience. And so it's really interesting because we've like sort of honed in on that by asking all the questions and then we're like, this is what we do. And each of us, for both of us, it's also different, by the way, which is right. also part of being a questioner. Which is right. like, but that's also just part of being alive. Our DNA is different. What's what's good for one person is yeah. not necessarily going to be good for the other person. Totally. So, yeah, so what can is, I find out at your quiz? Oh, so you so our quiz is formulated to pull a little bit of that out because what we do is we match a guided um, guided accountability partners, and that's where you get into the whole actually completing your goal. So some people are, um, like when you're talking about the rebels, that kind of kick back. And if you tell them what to do, they're literally going to do the opposite just because you told them to do A, so they're going to do B. Um, and it's really important sometimes to know who you are on that spectrum, like how, how you interact with other people. But ours goes a little bit deeper. We, we combine a ton of different um, personality tests into accountability specifically. Why is accountability so important in helping us reach our goals? So we've done the work. We've set the right goal. We've asked why. We've gotten familiar with like who we are and how we get things done. Like, Why does it still take having someone there to actually make the stuff that we care about happen? I think it's because we're humans. We're not computers. So computers can be given goals and scripts and they'll continue running with nothing being on the other side. As long as an order comes in, it'll just keep generating whether someone's there or not. As human beings, our humanity binds us. We need to be bound to another human. And they pull that out of us. So if they're, it's kind of that idea, like how if you're a castaway, if you're on an island all by yourself, you start to go a little bit crazy because we are not meant to exist in a silo. We are not meant to do this alone. Even as, as mothers, as women, as fathers, as um, you know, sisters and brothers, everything, friends, we're not meant to do this life alone. And accountability holds us to what standard we have set for ourselves. So if you have an accountability buddy that is going to pull you up a notch, it's just going to up-level the person that you are. I love that. I have seen this in, so I am a solopreneur, right? I am mm-hmm. working by myself and, you know, so with my kids hard. all the time. Yes. And the biggest step that I took in my business last year was getting a really solid accountability group in place with Mm -hmm. two women. We meet every week on Thursday. We talk about what we're doing. We say what we're going to do in the next week and we hold each other accountable. And 
we're probably a little too gentle with each other if I'm being honest, but there is something to be said for the power of just knowing that someone cares enough that they're going to ask you like, Hey, Amy, did you get up those two blog posts that you said you were going to do because you're trying to grow your audience? right? Right. And it's amazing how life can just sort of like flow on and you continue having the same thing you're going to do towards your goal mm-hmm. endlessly if you don't Every have that Every day. Yep. Like, it's like Groundhog's Day. It's like Groundhog's Day over and over and over again. You have right. this dream and like you kind of know it's there. Maybe you haven't solidified it, but one day I'll write a book. One day I'll travel. One day. Well, one day is today. There is no reason that yeah. if you prioritize your values and you look at what you really want to be doing, there's no reason that you can't be doing what you want to do. It's just getting life in alignment and making what matters first. Yeah. And it's really amazing like, that some of the people that we've seen, and sometimes this is this is the beauty of what I love about Optio. We've had um, one woman go through our 13 weeks, and we also follow very much a 90-day structure like you and um, Jacqueline talking about. Oh, yeah. Todd Herman's 90 days. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's something about 90 days that is just perfect. like it's the science. perfect time frame. And, and that's yeah. a per- good thing to mention. I'm glad you brought that up because one thing we didn't talk about besides fangirling on Todd is that um, (laughs) there really is something to not saying by the end of next year, I'm going to eat healthier, but instead setting some very specific goals for the next 90 days, which might be as simple as like, I'm going to eat two servings of vegetables per per day over the next 90 days. That is like so finite and specific that you'll actually know whether you did it or not. And it doesn't become this like other version of you. Like future me will someday eat vegetables. Right. But I no, said I have a year. So, yes. so I'm going to eat more vegetables later. Like I'll start soon and then it's December and you haven't done anything and there's cookies everywhere. <laughs> yes, I, I completely agree. And the 90, there is, there is literal science, like literal you know, scientists evaluating the formula for all the different times and and distance, you know, structures of how you can can do things. And 90 days is magic. You Mm -hmm. can do anything that you can do in a year, you can do in 90 days. So 90 days also tends to be a magic number for goal setting. So not goal setting, I'm sorry, habit setting. So if you're trying to replace or eliminate a habit, um, 90 days tends to be that point where it's like you it's ingrained in you now. It's part of who you are. Um, So it makes it a lot easier to move forward. So why, if you have, if you have a habit and you want to quit smoking in 2019, why wait until December when you could have it done in February or March, you know? So that's the kind of idea. And move on to more interesting things, right? Like I often, I love food. I love talking about food. I love thinking about food. Like I love all the things. But one of my goals in the work that I do is actually to help people think about food less. Because I know for most people, it's not the work that they do. And there are far more interesting and impactful things they can do with their time than thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to feed these kids for dinner for the fifth time this week, right? Yeah, (laughs) which is painful when you have a child who is magically vegetarian and the last like (laughs) we all have the complexities right like I have a one and a half year old who has the flu it's like it's super boring if you think about the same things every day and it's super boring if you continue to be driven by this narrative of I'm a smoker and I would love not to be and I'm gonna do that sometime soon like how much brain space could you free up if Mm -hmm. you just did the thing already 
Right. And that's, and then it just becomes a part of you. You don't think about it anymore. You are a healthy eater because you're a healthy eater. It's just no other option. When you go to reach for an apple or a donut, you grab the apple because it's in your DNA at that point. Yeah. And by the way, if you grab the donut, then next time you're like, I should grab the apple. I had a donut the other day, right? It's all about balance. It's like um, sort of getting those things ingrained in you. But I think you hit on something earlier that like that first step into action, the like, being like, start today is one of the hardest parts. So how do we get over that like human brain resistance to change mm-hmm. and just start doing the thing today? Um, so my answer is always going to be accountability. It's, okay. I mean, it's getting that accountability partner. And even if, you're, if your goal isn't clear, setting the intention and speaking it into the universe. I know mm-hmm. you and Jacqueline are talking a little bit about being woo-woo. I consider myself one woo, not two okay. woo. Just woo. <laughs> I'm only willing to go one. I'm probably only one also, <laughs> truth be told. Yeah, no, I, but I love it. I like love my, my dearest, closest friends are probably 20 woos. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, so speaking that intention out loud into the universe and, and having it land on someone's ears who care. So you, can I just say something about this? Because like the world is like bringing all this together for me. So I started just the other day reading Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, which is this oh, like yeah, that's such a good book. Tiny. Like yeah. it's like early 1900s. Yes. But it is beyond fascinating that yeah. even he is saying, if you want to grow rich, you need to write down the specifics of what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, yeah. and when it's going to happen by, and then you need to stand in front of the mirror and you need to say that to yourself two times per day. And I haven't gotten any further to tell you what the science is, but I was like, if in 1900, this guy who worked with Dale, or not Dale Carnegie, um, Andrew Carnegie, some Carnegie, someone who had a lot of money for (laughs) a lot of money for his time. I'm not a history buff at all. So I'm sure I've gotten it all mixed up. But one of the Carnegies who got this advice from him, and I can't share the science with you, but I just was like, okay, if these 1900 dudes can talk about these things, then like surely today we have enough information to get behind that there is a power to being specific in your goals and to sharing them, whether it be with yourself in the freaking mirror or (laughs) with the people around you or with someone who is set up perfectly to like hold you accountable to these things. So I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah. And that's what our program does. We actually create affirmations of who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's who we're going to be at the end of this 90 days, but it's really who we are. Like we, we speak them as if that's who we are. Um, and we Can say you give me it, an example of one of those? Because I am fascinated by affirmations and not very good at that. Yeah. So actually, I'll give you a really good one that worked for me personally. I had um, I went through a time where I was struggling with my family and my in-laws, and we had different philosophies. And this is actually where the whole family blueprint came out. And um, my affirmation one, one quarter was, every decision I make is the right one for me and my family. Mm. And this is coming from a person, my personality is, um, is a woman of peace. So I am always peacemaking. I'm always trying to make sure everybody's happy and like in the right place. So for me to rock the boat on a decision and go against the grain of my family is 
really in my core difficult thing to do. And um, we went on a trip and uh, I didn't feel comfortable about, and it's going to get kind of deep for just a second, but then it won't. Um, we went on a trip with some random people that were there and uh, they were like, oh, well, we'll let all the, the people under 18 bunk in one room and all the adults in another room. And it was like this really oddly planned, snowed in kind of thing. And I just had a really weird vibe about um, one of the, one of the gentlemen in the other party. And I said, my kids aren't going to stay in a room with him. And I got so much flack for it. Like I got so mm-hmm. much, um, because nobody else had that mama bear growl in their belly saying, this is not okay. And so anyway, we decided it broke up the whole plan. And when everybody ended up going their own ways, everybody's in this big fight, you know, we were like sliding down the hill in Tennessee and like, I'm, I'm carrying a baby carrier. Like, oh my God, it was so dramatic. And this is so not me. Like I never rocked the boat like this. Well, come to find out like three months later, he was actually on the sex offender list and had been a registered child sex offender. And everybody, everybody came back. It was like, I am so sorry. He seemed like such a nice guy. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know why I made that decision? Because every decision I make is the right one for me and my family. And when I was in that moment, in that time, I, I almost doubted it. I was like, okay, I'll just go with it. I'm so tired. We've been driving for 13 hours. I just want to sleep. And then I had been telling myself, and I had just told myself in the car before I got out of the car, every decision I make is the right one for me and my family. And I was like, no, this is, this decision is being made for me. This is not my decision. Every decision I make is the right one. This is my decision. We are not sleeping here. And I'm just so thankful that I had the awareness that it was in me, the decision was in me, that I knew what my family needed and that I was making the right decision. And I didn't have to consult anybody and I didn't have to look it up. And I didn't have, you know, I knew. Right. So just to follow my gut and trust myself as a mother, as a wife, and just as a woman um, was really empowering. And from that point on, I'm like, affirmations, all of them. I want all of them. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) So how how does the affirmation structure work? Like, do you do one at a time? Do you? We usually do. So what we recommend, especially for people that are new to affirmations, like some people, once you get really into affirmations, you can go crazy. Um, I have a really good girlfriend who... um, she, she's in ministry and ministry is really, really difficult sometimes in, in her field. And, uh, she has like an entire book of affirmations that she has written. It's like a, it's like a bullet journal, but it's full of affirmations. And she wakes up every morning and reads every single one of them to herself in the mirror. And she is the, one of the most powerful, fierce women I have ever seen. And she has not always been that way. So she's worked to it. Um, but with our program, we recommend picking one for 12 weeks and you say it to yourself and you really have to sink into it. It has to be something that makes you, um, that you, that you know is possible or maybe like it's a stretch. Like it's like, Oh, I don't really know if that could be me or, you know, um, so it stretches you into becoming that person. And then you have this 13 weeks and slowly, but surely it slips away and you just are, you just are that person. And it's been amazing. We've had women that have gone from being corporate attorneys and their affirmation has been, um, like I am healthy, happy, and whole. And, um, come to find out they thought they were healthy, happy, and whole in their career in law, but they weren't. What they really wanted to be was stay-at-home moms. They had a six-month-old and a, you know, I think an 18-month-old at home. And she just wanted to be at home, but she was like, how can I justify going home when I spent all this money on this law degree? Right. <laughs> you know, and but going through this process, 
she loves it now. She's now, she's still in the program and she's like, this is amazing. And you know what? I'll probably go back to law in like four years, but not right now. I can't get this time back. So it just gives you so much clarity for who you're becoming and who you're becoming doesn't have to be the dominating the entire world. You don't have to be Mother Teresa or Donald Trump or Obama. You can be you at home with your babies. You can be you at a nonprofit. You know, it just, it, it looks different for everybody. So you're bringing up something interesting for me, which is something I often wonder about is like, do you ever see people or have you ever gone into something and thought it would look one way at the end and come out the other side and been like, I got where I said I was going to go. Like I completed this affirmation and it looks totally different than where I thought I was headed. Completely. My entire first half of my life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like no joke. So I, I, like I mentioned, I was so type A, like, and I would set every single goal and I was always so disappointed. It was like, like, I was like, I own a house, but I was working so hard that I spent I, the first 365 days that I lived on it in that house, I spent one weekend there because I was working so hard. Right. And it's like all these goals that you think I was like, if I can just get this house, then, and it's this beautiful house on the water, it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to drink my ties on the, on a beach chair. And it just wasn't true because my values and my goals and what I was doing weren't all aligned. Um, so I had this dream of what I thought it was going to be. And then it just wasn't. Um, same thing with parenting. Oh my gosh. It's like the biggest one ever. Um, I have, I come from a line of women who had the most wonderful pregnancies in the world. Um, they talk about glowing while they were pregnant and they just wish they could be pregnant all the time. So that's what I thought my pregnancy was going to be. Clearly it wasn't. Um, and then just having kids in general, like my boys (laughs) push the boundary of like, any, like, it's so funny because, like, you talk about God. All the boundaries. Or, yeah, like, <laughs> all of these things align. I'm like, you know, like, I ask. I'm not an incredibly patient person. I tend to want things, like, immediately, and I work really hard for them. But I'm not patient, or at least I haven't been in my past. And, um, you know, the universe, God, what, what have you, gives you gifts or challenges to grow those strengths within you. And my children were sent to me to give me patience because they demand so much patience. The fact that they're alive means that I have so much patience. So it's just so funny. Like you don't, but that's not what I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to have like a troop of little girls and we were going to have tea parties and stuffed animals. And it was going to be so fun. And instead I have like you know, booby traps in my yard. And I literally wake up with frogs and snakes in my bed because they think it's funny. It's not funny. So (laughs) I mean, the list of stories of like things that happen, it's outrageous, but I am so proud and glad. And they are such kind, tiny little humans. And I love them so deeply, but it looks so different than what I expected. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Life is so interesting. I also thought I was going to have at least a girl and I'm realizing that's probably not in the cards for me either. I have two little boys. Um, and, and it's just interesting. I've been doing a lot of meditation work, which is well documented on this show and I've shared it in the past, but it has really helped me let go of attachments in the brief Mm -hmm. time I've been doing it to say, I 
want to make an impact in the world by helping people feel good about feeding their families. Mm -hmm. To me, that means they feel confident in the way that they feed their family. They um, are not spending all their time worrying about it. They don't spend time that they could be spending making an impact in the world wasting time in the kitchen. Like there's a lot of wasted time, right? right? To me, that is super important. And I realized that I have no idea what it's going to look like. And Mm -hmm. through that work of meditation and being more present and kind of letting go of the attachments, but holding on to the outcome. The why. I feel like Mm-hmm. So much more peaceful over it, just being like, I don't know, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to find a co-host on the internet. Love you, Emily. Yeah. And we're going to like show up every week and we're going to have interesting conversations with people and I'm going to have a membership and I'm going to give people meal plans. And next year that might look completely different, right? Right. Um, and that's okay too. Like I'm going to be guided by the thing that puts me most in the place to do that thing that mm-hmm. you pointed it out. It's like, it's like a deeply ingrained why for me. But yes, to what you're saying, the why of what you're doing and your podcast totally helped my family, by the way, when I was going through all that crazy stuff and trying to do all these crazy things. We use those meal plans and we use those things that I, it actually got my husband and I on the same page where he could help because he was willing to help, but he didn't know what to do. He grew up in a family where the mom cooks and the dad does the outside stuff and it was Mm -hmm. very traditional and then here I come hey I got like 16 jobs why don't you marry me by the way I don't cook (laughs) like you know it was so it blew his mind so having those meal plans and having those healthy options that we could both look at and choose from and it made the cognitive load for our family equal and that was so helpful and I really do need to thank you for that thank you for saying that I think there is so much there around asking for help. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the next place to go on this goal setting. So if you're listening, I'm just going to assume that you're a busy parent, if not good for you for thinking ahead, but (laughs) what the heck are you doing here? But (laughs) welcome. (laughs) But I do think that there's something really important there around asking for the help that you need and getting the support that you need. And it's something that I've only started doing with my husband is like bringing him in on my business plans and being like, Hey, I need to brainstorm with someone or, Hey, Mm -hmm. I have some real big goals and they're not going to happen with me only working during a one and a half hour nap every day. So I need some help and he's amazing, but only if I give him the chance to be. So why, like, how can we use that knowledge of asking for help to help us actually keep our goals this year. Oh, that's good. So, and again, it comes back my, I, when we developed this accountability program after all of my craziness, I, and I was like, if I had had somebody serving me an honest mirror of myself at that time, I would not have gotten so sick. I would have, not, I would have realized that I was pursuing the wrong goals just because I could and not because I should. Um, I would have realized that everything I was doing was out of alignment with my my belief system, not necessarily my family's or um, the people that came before me, but my belief system. So, you know, having that mirror is just necessary. And that mirror would tell me to get off my humble high horse and ask for help. You know, that it is not that people want, I mean, they're so, we all want to help each other. Like when you, when you, um, 
anytime you think back to a time that maybe you um, mentored someone that came behind you and you, they were so excited and they just, they were like, oh my gosh, you started a podcast. Tell me everything. How did you start a podcast? And you, you talked to them for an hour about how you started a podcast. Do you feel fulfilled at the end of that conversation? Or do you feel like, oh man, that, that obnoxious kid, I'm never going to talk to people again. No, I love talk, talking to people about starting podcasts because I think it's like so awesome to help somebody get right. one step closer to taking down the barriers and just like doing the thing. Exactly. So when, when you need help and you go to someone that's done this, they have the same thought process. Like it might seem big to you because like it's just what you're looking at is at a different level or a different thing, but they have the same perspective. People are so excited to share their knowledge and their wisdom because it grows the world. And naturally as humans, we want to be better. We do. That is one of the core foundations of Optio is that people are good. Like people mm. are good and that we do want to help each other. And sometimes it just comes out in a, in a bit of a scattered way. Yeah. So. Yeah. I could, I could say that for me, for sure. Like I really want to help people and there are plenty of friends who I'm like not as good about connecting with as I ought to be if I want to be a supporter of people, right? Like it just right. doesn't always show up in the way that you think that it might. And so I really appreciate you sharing that, that like we are good at our core yeah, and, and things show up. And we up don't have ways. to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect. No, no, definitely not. So we've perfect talked to the devil. <laughs> like, it really is. I, so 2018 was my year of action, which I have yes. shared here. And I had this mantra, which was like, done is better than perfect. Oh, yes. Done over perfect. And for me, it has changed everything to just say like, you know, people don't need a perfectly formatted pantry inventory list. What they need to know is what they should have on hand to make a healthy dinner. So do that, focus on that, and don't worry about these other things. And I think that all of us can take something away from that in saying like, what are we what places are we letting perfect? Where are we saying I have to do five high intensity interval training workouts a week if I'm going to get fit instead of just saying like, I'm mm-hmm. going to go for a walk three days and that's realistic for my life. Right. If I got that done, I'd be one step closer to my goal, right? Right. And also comparison. That's the other place that I would be very careful that um, perfection and comparison, I think are the, the two plagues of humanity. So the that we don't have to be perfect and that comparing is, is not only the thief of joy, but the thief of everything that makes you you. So we're going to talk about Optio in a minute, which I'm like really excited to hear more about what this program looks like. <laughs> but I'm curious, if we are not someone who's like ready to join a program, how can we find more accountability in our lives with just like yeah. the people around us already? And how can we set that up for success? Yeah. So I sent you a really awesome PDF that has um, the five, that basically the five main things that you want to look for in an accountability part. And um, I'll run through, you can absolutely set this up on your own. The reason we did this is just to make it easy. We, we built the tools and the calendars and all the tech stuff behind it. But just like you said, people don't need that. That's not what they need. What they need is space and clarity and, and someone who's willing to give that to them. So what you want to do is you want to find a person in your life that is not your best friend, not your spouse, not your parent. Um, it's someone who's 
going to be willing to push back on you when you try to get out of the equation. So if you are like what you were saying about the blog posts, I'm going to write two blog posts to do this. And you don't, you want someone who's going to ask you why, why didn't you do it? Yeah. Well, what's your excuse? Okay. That's an excuse. Like let's get through this and let's do it. Um, but not just that you're going to look for someone who is introspective enough to identify if your why is present or not. So, you know, some people just have like this way of like asking really hard questions and they allow you to sit in an uncomfortable space for a little while. Um, that is something that I've had to really, really harness in myself. It's not something that comes naturally to me. I tend to glaze over uncomfortable things. I, I always, if there's more than three seconds of silence, I'll break it by talking no matter what it is, because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just too uncomfortable. And, um, but sometimes we need that silence, you know, sometimes we need that space to really explore what's there. And so your accountability partner needs to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, needs to be available to you and not somebody that you really, really know. And also has a similar schedule, um, or is in the similar season of life. So maybe at nap time is when you're able to talk, but you know, maybe there's an attorney that is only available after 8 PM because that's the hour she's working or, you know, it's like all sorts of things. My, my husband has an accountability um, group. They meet at 4 AM on Fridays. And that is literally like, do not ask me to hold you accountable to anything. I'm going to let everything slide. I just want to go back to bed. (laughs) Do you have coffee? You are accountable for giving me coffee. That's dedication. How often is ideal to meet with an accountability partner? I would say once a week. Um, So some people, it depends on on your personality. So if you're like one of those obligers, like if you're really strong obliger sense, as Gretchen Rubin would say, you might want to even have more like twice a week um, where you really just pop in and check. And there are also different levels. So our, like our program has it set up that you meet once a week face-to-face, kind of like we're talking right now. Um, But then you can also, if you know that you need to be held more accountable, you can ask to receive texts emails and our program will actually take your goals and send you relevant texts and emails that apply to, to your affirmation and to who you're becoming. Um, so it just depends on the person. Um, but I would say once a week at a minimum, after that, you start losing momentum. Cool. And I just want to not, not to take anything away from Optio because I definitely yeah, want no. to more about Everybody, it. just but, to be clear, everybody can do this on their own. Yes. And <laughs> I was going to say, there's a tool that my husband uses in habit building. And mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot about habits because I'm like fascinated about how we build new ones. And I, that 90 days was new information yeah. for me because I think we're used to hearing like, it takes 21 days to build a habit. Um, <laughs> excuse me. But I've also been reading about habit stacking. So like how we can make habits more likely to happen if we pair them with things we already do. Like you're drinking coffee every morning. What if you took one minute to meditate when you get your cup of coffee? Or um, not to like call my husband out on everything he does. Sorry, honey. I'm like telling everyone all your secrets. He stands on one foot um, for half the time that he brushes his teeth and then switches feet the other half to like work on his balance because he knows yeah. he's not going to do it any other time. And he also uses this tool that I have not been as good about using. I did buy it and I'm not using it, but it's called Streaks and it's just an app and you can set different habits that you want to build and then like check them off throughout the day. So like drinking oh, glass of water or like five mindful minutes or mine includes like five minutes of playing guitar. And the key is one, to not set too many habits. And yeah. then two, to 
make them really short and attainable. So when I started meditating, my goal was like five minutes a day, which five minutes, like I could surely fit in five minutes. And now that I'm doing it, I'm like, 20 minutes. And literally when I started going to the gym, it was like 30 minutes of going to the gym. And now my workouts easily take an hour and I make time for them because that feels really good for me. And I give myself time away from the kids because they have daycare. So it's like stacked with other benefits too, right? So um, I think that we can't underestimate the power of just like building things into our lives that feel good, feel authentic, feel in alignment, but also have other benefits too, or like are paired with other things. Absolutely. We have an entire chapter on stacking in our training. (laughs) It is a very, very effective habit building tool. It's, I think one of, for me, who I tend to be positively reward, um, positive reward motivated, um, more so than negative consequence driven. So it is, stacking helps me so much. So like, I'm not there are a lot of things that I won't allow myself to do unless I'm doing something else at the same time. So like, I am not allowed to watch TV unless I'm on the treadmill Mm. or I'm not allowed, you know, like those kinds of things. So it makes it like, I actually get excited about being on the treadmill because I can watch Marvelous Miss Maisel. And it's yes. awesome. Oh, I haven't started the second season, so I can't oh, talk about that. So good. I literally, was very good. I was like, I was like, I'm going to run a marathon because I, <laughs> I won't allow myself to get off. And I want to see what's happening. And I'm so tired. And I'm just like going and going because I want to know. Oh, anyway. That's awesome. What else do folks need to know about keeping their goals for this year that we haven't covered already? That's a really mm. big question. Oh, there's so much. It's so hard. It's really getting into a program that you feel comfortable with, I think. Um, so the the whole reason that Optio came about, like I think coaching, therapy, all of those things are amazing. And I think that they're really good at um, either breaking or creating habits or new, uh, new goals or transitions. Um, and then we created Optio out of that to kind of disrupt that cycle and to disrupt that industry because we, we felt like there should be a more accessible way to do that. So, um, yeah, I think that the, the things that we're talking about are all amazing. And I think it's also just recognizing who you are and doing a little bit of introspective work to, uh, to figure out what makes you tick and how you respond to certain stimulus. Are you positive or negative motivated? Do, does stacking work for you? Why are you doing what you're doing? And if you really, truly dig into that why, and I remember you and Jacqueline talking about the the, the feeling of the goal, not just the, you know, oh, this is my goal, but how are you going to feel in that moment? Because that is what's going to drive you. Mm-hmm. Um, the why, not the, the, the number losing 10 pounds or making, um, you know, increasing your salary by 5k or, you know, any, any kind of random goal like that. It might be a very smart goal in the sense that, you know, the acronym S-M-A-R-T, but it doesn't always get at the feeling. So you also need to go back and evaluate why you're doing it. And I recommend doing that, um, having a fairly regular practice at least once a quarter where you evaluate why you're doing the goals. So like maybe you're pursuing your PhD because you want to have some sort of lifestyle or some sort, your life looks some way, but something changes and then you decide that, you know, you want to go in a different direction and that you really want that travel is really important to you. And you realize that this professor, it's one of the reasons my tenure professorship, um, I wanted to travel more than was allocated for that. And it wasn't a good fit anymore. And um, 
so it's crazy. Nobody leaves tenure. No, I mean, no, it's just not done. Like you die tenured. <laughs> so, yeah. like That's kind of so, the point, isn't it? <laughs> right. That is exactly the point. So, um, and, and it's like, it's a job you can't lose. Like who leaves that? So, but it wasn't in alignment with my family or my goals or my intentions or my beliefs. And I was teaching, um, subjects that I didn't necessarily align with my value system anymore. So I, I, I left it, which is insane. Um, but that was because I reevaluated my goals at a certain point and yeah. very specifically went in and thought about them. Um, but yeah, so I think you've done a I, really good job covering it. I think that's the perfect place to wrap up this conversation around keeping your goals though, because I would encourage folks to revisit the goals that they've set and mm-hmm. really say like, is this something that still feels important? Because there are a million places you can spend your time and energy this year. And don't let the shame or the shoulds or the like sense of being beholden to something that you said you were going to do be mm-hmm. the thing that keeps you on autopilot towards that thing, even if it's not going to serve you, if the outcome isn't what you need in your life. And right. that's kind of a different place than I planned to end today because we were going to like talk about all the important, great ways that you could keep your goals. But I think we've covered so much of that, that this feels like really additive, which is to say, take the time to reevaluate your goals. I do it even more often than quarterly. Like every two mm-hmm. weeks, I look at the actions I'm taking towards my goals and I don't necessarily change my goals, but I change my actions all the time. Right. Like this isn't getting me any closer to my goal. This isn't in alignment. And this I've been known yeah. to throw goals away entirely because like I said, I'm a questioner. So I have like, <laughs> like this actually doesn't make sense. Why would yeah. I bother doing it? Because if that it makes so sense, fantastic. I'm doing it. And if it doesn't make sense, I'm not doing it. Um, and so... For us busy parents, where there is so much on the line, where there's so much at stake and where time comes at such a premium, make sure that the place you're headed is the place you want to be, for goodness sake. And taking just a moment to pause and reflect on where you're going rather than just running a million miles in the wrong direction. If you're one degree off, like if a plane takes off for, you know, California and they're one degree off, you know, when they start in Maryland, which is where I am, they're going to end up in very different places because they are on the wrong trajectory. So that is what you have to, it's just checking in. And And I would just encourage the folks listening to think like, if you have a big goal inside of you and you're too afraid to put it out into the universe because you think there's no way you can reach it, like, please stop doing that. Please stop playing small. <laughs> please stop telling yourself not The world to. needs you. The world <laughs> does need you. And I think we've covered some really important things about how to start taking action today in the right direction, that even if that goal comes to fruition five years from now and not at the end of next year, the work you're doing now is still so important to getting you there eventually. And yes. there's no shame in starting small mm-hmm. and... Um, and, you know, taking time and all of those things. But for goodness sake, like use this year to head in the right direction. I think we've laid out some pretty cool ways that you can start getting there this year in this conversation. So thank you. I would love to tell folks where can they find out more about Optio and the support that you can provide if they're feeling like I have big goals, I want to do a lot this year, and I have no idea how to get there. Right. So, oh my goodness, we have made it so easy for you. It's ridiculous. Um, So go to my 
Optio. It's M-Y-O-P-T-I-O.org. And uh, you'll see a little bit about what we're all about there. And um, we have two, two kind of tracks that you can take. One is that you find your own guided accountability partner. And the other one is that you use our um, NASA-approved matching algorithm. It's like crazy, all the science behind it, that we never talk about it. It just works. That's what you need to know is that it works. Um, and we match you to your, your person, your best accountability partner. And then we actually have a whole structure, a whole online training because I've taught in universities forever. That's what I do. Um, so I couldn't do this without that. It's like, it just comes hand in hand, hand with me as a package. Um, but yeah, we do an online training on how to be a, a guided accountability partner, what it means, what definitions there are. So everybody is on the same page because sometimes people come into it. They don't know what an affirmation is. If I say, um, if, if someone says that's a self-limiting belief or that's a story you're telling yourself, those are a lot of times terms that some people completely are like, Oh yes, I know exactly what you mean. And some people have no idea. So we get everybody on the same page with regard to goal setting and smart goals. And then we actually have a slightly different take on it where it's a reevaluation. Um, but we, we do that. And then we actually set you up. We have a whole calendar system that sets you up with people. And we look into your personal calendars and align your times and just make it so easy for you to actually meet with this person that if you can't, like you're really pulling out of it because you're scared. <laughs> That's really yeah. what you're doing. So, um, yeah. And then we give you a journal. Um, it's a whole, I'm actually sitting here. I was going to bring up some of the stuff. We have life wheels and, and aligning your life and making sure that the goals you have are the right ones for you. And you go through that process first. And then you meet at generally the same time every week for 12 weeks. And, um, you create an affirmation for yourself, a person that you want to be. And you usually are that person when you get to the end of that 12 weeks. And then we have a wrap up session where we record everything that's happened for you. And we keep all the things that you, that you loved. Like say there are some habits that you gained that you really don't want to let go of. And we roll those over into your next quarter. But maybe there are some things that happened that you were like, you know, I was trying I was trying to make more money, but I ended up not spending enough time with my family and I don't like how that worked out. Okay, let's drop the things that you hated. Let's grab onto the things that worked. Let's pull them into the next quarter. And then you can actually see the evolution tracked electronically of how you are creating, setting, and meeting your goals. And that has been such an empowering tool for women because sometimes we feel like we're stuck when we're not. Like women will come to me and say, I'm so stuck. I'm like, well, tell me about your last five years. Well, I have four kids and they're, you know, one and two and three and six. And I'm like, you're stuck. You just built a village by yourself. <laughs> what are you talking about? But we feel stuck. And that's where we start to see the progress laid out before us and it just makes it so much easier yeah um, so yeah it's this whole program and it's awesome and it all comes with all this stuff and we've just made it so easy for everyone we want to empower women specifically to be able to live their best life and their most inspired visions because that I truly believe women are where the change is going to be we're, we're going to roll out to men probably next year I say it's, so it's only because, women right now like, it is only women right now um wow. we do have a, we do have a separate section for small groups that is for men um okay. but right now women is really where it's at well I love the idea of what you're talking about with like taking technology and overlaying it with what we know about humans and then combining humans and technology really kind of seamlessly, right? Like there's a person on the other end of that. It's Absolutely. not just a tool to it's, say, 
only to make life easier. Mm -hmm. Right. We're going to use all of these things to make things easier. And you said something really important. I think it's just the perfect place to end is the importance of celebrating how far you've come, even if you don't get exactly where you thought you were going. So can you share with us something that like you want to celebrate publicly for how far you've come, even if you didn't get where you were going. I'm totally putting you on the spot. I didn't. Tell oh you. yeah. It's okay. It's, it's, um, it's one of those things that I'm like, what do I want to share? I feel like my life is, I live this life that is, I am so grateful for every, I've always been a pretty grateful person, but I'm like extra grateful. Um, and I guess, uh, one thing that I want to share, I had an appointment with a doctor, uh, earlier today when I, when I went through all these health things, like they told me I wasn't going to walk, I wasn't going to talk. I was going to be at a breathing machine forever. Um, being fed intravenously, you know, all these things, I wasn't supposed to kick any of those machines. And I actually had a follow-up appointment this morning and I walked in and I had to do the whole breathing machine thing. And I have this crazy cold that makes me sound like my Italian grandpa. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to pass. There's no way I'm going to pass. It's going to tell me that I'm like the worst breather ever. And even with this cold, um, miraculously, my lung function is so high that I am allowed to fly in planes. I can climb Mount Kilimanjaro if I want to. I can do all of these things. And I'm just so grateful for my body and its ability to heal and for my um, willingness to give it what it needs to eat healthy, balanced meals and, that are meant for my body type and exercise in the ways that are best for me. And I am just so grateful to have been given this body that bounced back mm-hmm. um, and to be here talking to you on this long form with my lungs. It's all good. So oh, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I think especially women, like we can be really hard on our bodies and like be mm-hmm. mad at them for the ways they don't look, but to think like more deeply and to be challenged again, using your limitations as your superpower to say like, I had this huge thing happen and it made me realize that like how I look is not the most important thing. Like it can do all these things that for a minute there, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I was going to be able to do. And I think we all have something like that in our lives that we could celebrate if we took a minute to to stop and right. And so that will be my encouragement for folks listening today. Is just please, this is airing December twenty fifth on Christmas. I hope that you guys will listen to it as you're traveling to and from places. Probably not on Christmas itself, but. If you're listening to this, like take a minute before you dive into the new year and think about what you're going to do to just really celebrate what you accomplished this year. What, however small, however big it might have been, I know that there is something to celebrate. And Charlena, thank you for being here today with us to share your celebration and to just kind of talk to us about how we can set up 2019 to be an even more celebration-worthy year. Thank you, Amy. This has been wonderful. I appreciate folks who took the time to listen. And I can't wait to dive in next week to our series all around So You Wanna in the new year. And our first guest is going to be talking about all about So You Wanna Be a More Mindful Parent. So tune in next week on, it's going to be January 1st. We're just going to celebrate all the holidays with the podcast. Oh my goodness. To hear from Allie Katz talking about how to be a more mindful parent.